Welcome to the Self-Love Line podcast. What are we up to here at the Self-Love Line? For one, we are a platform to learn about specific healing modalities and the life path associated with practicing them. Secondly, we are your space to send inquiries regarding self-love. Email us at theselfloveline at gmail.com. And in the end, we try and be an inspiration for your own self-love technology. Thank you to our sponsors, Sacred Roots Holistic Healing Center and the Panacea Holistic Institute in Long Beach, California. A collective committed to nurturing wellness in all beings. In today's episode, Jocelyn interviews Air, the executive director of The Compound, a cultural and a creative complex fostering art, wellness, and community. Air shares his background in the healing arts and his experience in film directing. Let's welcome Air to the show. Today we have Air Copeland from Compound LBC. He's the executive director over there, but it sounds like he's more than a label, my friends. I want to know what this guy's up to besides parenting an eight-month child through COVID. I would love to know more about your background, how you got into this. I want to know about the Compound or Compound LBC. I want to know why you're not teaching at Panacea Holistic Institute already. <laughs> There's so many questions that I have. Please, welcome to the show, Air. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And Jocelyn, what can I say? You're like a bundle of energy. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a fun, fun ride. Um, yeah, a little background about myself. Um, so I am uh, the executive director of Compound, which is a cultural and creative complex uh, fostering the intersectionality of contemporary art, wellness, and community impact. And we're based here in the Zafria district of Long Beach. And it's really the vision of our founder, Megan Tagliaferri, who, um, you know, Wait had a second. Megan's the founder? Yeah. <laughs> she also is a friend of my sister. My sister-in-law did her backyard. No as way. She's a, she's a designer, landscape designer. I was just going to say, she's like an incredible interior designer and philanthropist, and she this is her, her baby. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. this just got even more Long Beach. <laughs> it's 100% Long Beach. <laughs> um and so, yeah, it's starting to, to come to life, and we're planning to open um, this fall. And um, my background has been primarily in a nonprofit space. So I worked for environmental um, causes, you know, stopping plastic pollution, ocean conservation. I worked for animal welfare issues, worked with children. Wait a second. You like humans and animals? I do. I didn't I, think that was possible. I know, and aliens and other things as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I um, 
I uh, also work with children who had a chronic illness and I taught them art and wellness and um, how to transcend their identity to connect more to our society, which was incredibly powerful. But I'd say the thread of my career has been about wellness. I've had over 20 years of yoga and meditation experience. Um, I implemented Dr. Dean Ornish's program for reversing heart disease into UCLA Health and made it scale uh, nationally. So a lot of stuff uh, over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. And um, wait, so you can reverse heart disease? Is that what you said? Reverse can you give disease. me a small, like three sentence clip yeah. on that? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Dean's Dean's whole framework, and this is based on over over 40 years of research, that you can reverse heart disease through four different components. One, exercise, no brainer, right? Two is nutrition, primarily a plant based diet. Three is socialization, which I don't think a lot of people really understand that, but we can build on that because we've been isolated for this whole year pretty much yeah. and like how that has had mental health effects. Um, and lastly, stress management. So through yoga, through meditation, um, you can optimize your heart health. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing that. And then concurrently, I'm uh, a documentary filmmaker. So I produced and directed several film projects over the years. The biggest one has been Whitewash, which is on the history of black surfers and um, worked with David Lynch, some other great people throughout the years. And uh, yeah, I'm a surfer and a. I was gonna say, so dad. you're surfing also I while you're surfing. doing all this other stuff. That's my that's my go-to <laughs> man. It's 100. percent I'm an ocean advocate. 100%. Uh, ocean healing. <laughs> no question. <laughs> totally. Dude, I love this. I've been so when I was like in middle school, getting into trouble. I was also planning to go to NYU. I was like, I'm gonna go to NYU because I'm a film Me student, because like this is Me what I'm gonna too. do, yeah. and like this was like the big plan. And then I like dropped out of high school, and I was like, and peace out, everybody. <laughs> I'm going on my own mission. But I think that in order to inform and in order to influence the culture, mm-hmm. that that is the tip of the iceberg. That is the beginning of integrating new concepts and new ideas is through entertainment and through creating these visual documentary experiences so people can see that there's this whole different way of looking at life. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, in fact, when I was in high school, I was a theater like enthusiast and I actually Me too. <laughs> I actually got a scholarship to Tisch University at NYU and I didn't take it. Ah! I know. I was living in Ohio and I wanted to, my mom and dad wanted me to still be close, so I went to Wright State University. But you know, I was into acting and theater. It was amazing. I'm glad that like... you love your parents, though. That's a great <laughs> anecdote for the story. I was trying to get as far away from my parents as possible. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I found that that has been such a, a an amazing experience for me. Is just going through the art of acting and different characterizations and learn because it really was how you learn about yourself, you know, through different The study situations. of humanity. Right, exactly. And so that was like the, the baseline for me. And then I kind of went into transpersonal psychology and holistic health and that whole thing. I am right. I spent two years studying the Meisner method of acting in Santa Monica. <laughs> Amazing. When I was 21, I think 20, 21, 22, around there. 
And it was, I was like, well, I don't want to sell toothpaste with this knowledge. <laughs> so I'm going to continue studying humans. And then I went to massage school after that. Then I went to yoga school after that. And just kind of, but really that's why I'm finding so many theatrical, yogi, holistic uh, advocates is because acting is the study of humanity. It really, really is. There's such an interplay and dynamic between acting and psychology, which is the study of human behavior. And so it's like really powerful to see how those two kind of interplay. I was obsessed with um, Lee Strasberg. Ah. I, was, I came from that world. I just love method acting. And, you know, my heroes, like so many, were Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep and yes. Dustin Hoffman and Pacino. And uh, just how they were able to really live the emotional part, you know, life. emotional yeah exactly so um yeah i was just deep into that stuff what's the difference between meisner and strasberg can you can that's you... a good question i you know i i think you'd probably be better to answer that's what i'm saying me. i think yeah. that they actually are they're working very, from so, each other or I something think like so. that um i mean i i think from a theoretical stand, standpoint i feel like strasberg um was more it was more visceral as far as his um, depth of taking on the, the character. I'm not too sure about the Meisner method. In, in I'm smiling under my mask because I'm excited to read from Google. <laughs> Here it says this, Meisner versus Strasberg. Oh, this is interesting. In the Meisner technique, there is a greater focus on the other actor as opposed to the one's internal thoughts or feelings associated to the character. The Meisner technique is often confused with method acting taught by Lee Strasberg, since both developed from the early teachings of Konstantin Stanislavski. See there? There you go. We're siblings is what we're trying 100%. to find out. 100%. We are <laughs> brother and sister. Who <laughs> 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 It's amazing, actually. Um, I'm not surprised. I know, right? Exactly. Um, but it's interesting. You're right. It's really the study of humanity. And then once I started to kind of get in, got deep into the whole acting experience, I started to be fascinated with consciousness mm. and conscious like just the the i mean i mean it's just so broad you know the things that consciousness tapping entails. into different consciousness and yeah, that's like higher and lower states are just day-to-day -day mm. consciousness what happens during trauma mm. um when you are meditating when you're taking psychedelic, psychedelic drugs it's like there's so much there and so i went to study transpersonal psychology at burlington college in burlington vermont so that was the beginning <laughs> that's when it really started really to go started down. to like open me up because I was obviously fascinated by Freud then Freud made me think more about Jungian psychology and then I got really deep into Abraham uh, Maslow's theory hierarchy of needs mm -hmm. and that whole thing and Carl Rogers and you know uh, just I refuse to read books, but I've heard all these names. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, I'm only writing books right now, so I can't read anything. And I've said this for about a decade. I haven't read any books. I don't besides kids books. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, Lots I'm of brown just, bear, I'm brown bear. I'm just learning these kids books today. <laughs> with a new baby. But um, but I that was the whole um, curriculum at, at Burlington at the time was all about reading. Mm. And so I just spent hours, hours and hours reading these books. And then writing long, long papers. And you know what's so funny? I still have these papers to this day. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. <laughs> Beloved paper that I poured I was my thinking, whole I was like, life If I ever write a book, I may want to refer to this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I kept them over the years. It's interesting to look back at your work and be like, oh my God, what was I talking about then? But, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it was fascinating. And then, um, yeah, my whole unfolding of the holistic health world uh, happened. happened. From there. Yeah, it just yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah, transpersonal psychology obviously is a huge part of our massage program, our bodywork and healing arts program, because mm. people are like, what's stored in my shoulder? I'm like, that's your great uncle. No, <laughs> I don't even say that. But they want to believe it. They want to believe that it's a specific person or a specific event or something They're like, very what's true. back there? And they want to like true. tie it to one thing. I'm like, I have to remind you that this is a cumulative body exactly. that you've had for your whole life and everything in there is cumulative also. Right, it's so true. And I think the, the real insight in the process of learning transpersonal psychology, I mean, I already was somewhat aware of this, but... Um, as the movement started to grow is really the understanding that the mind and body and the spirit or the experience of what we go through in this mind and body are the same thing. There's no separation. And this has been embedded in Western culture from Descartes' theory, I think, therefore I am, which is the dichotomy of the mind and body, but really in the holistic sense from Eastern thought and philosophy, it's oneness. What's even more powerful is that you, as an individual, um, are also connected to everybody else into the universe. And so then as you expand that understanding, there's unlimited possibilities. So you mean the stranger that just had a bad attitude can't give me their bad attitude? <laughs> and I'm not going to... I'm. So it's just my bad attitude? Exactly. It's actually my reaction to their ba bad attitude? Whoa! Totally. Personal <laughs> responsibility? Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, and I think that's the, the beauty of it all is once you start to realize that there are no separations. And, I mean, the word yoga means to use, to unite, to bring together... I mean, not only mind and body, but also community, universe, everything. And that's what love is all about, you know. Yeah, you just mix a couple fluids together, you get a whole human out of it. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> I think that that's pretty, I mean, I've always considered myself like a rec recreational transpersonal psychology person because I didn't study it in depth. But I think that studying yoga and massage, you can't help. It is like the per, it's like the physical version of studying. It's like I'm in lab for it constantly. hundred percent. If, if you 100%, will. hundred percent. Yeah. Like I was telling you earlier, I mean, you know, I started to, I was working at the Oregon School of Massage. So were you a massage therapist first? I wasn't a massage therapist but I just ran the bookstore ah, um, at that's the a hack. I know right <laughs> exactly <laughs> but I was so interested because I read all these books while I was bringing the books into <clears throat> the school and was working with the massage therapist and um, I fell in love with massage I was like this yes. is amazing obviously to get a massage is one thing but understanding like then the whole facilitation of, of giving massages and the theories behind it and all the different types I was just in love. I still, it's my favorite thing in this world right now. <laughs> I'm so massage. glad to hear this. And we have massages all, to give you. <laughs> well, it's been frustrating because of the pandemic. You really could not give massages. And I'm like, this is like one of my immediate go-tos for like stress relief. So, yeah. I know. We've been just actually at our center. We're like swamped. And we're so excited that we're about to graduate these people. Because we're like, come on. these There's a lot of earthlings over here that want a bunch of massages. We're we can't teach them fast enough. Yeah, exactly. Now that exactly. we're like a medical facility, that's the only reason we're allowed to offer the massage. I know, which is really a, a great umbrella to be under right now is you can kind of get away with a lot, you know, which is really important. I'm offering medical grade sound baths. 
I'm all for that. So. And this is why you're going to have to be a part of Compound in some way. Yes. Because you do this kind of stuff. It's, yeah. yeah. There's some cool, there's some cool, It's it's been very uncomfortable navigating the health department and the state of California to keep the college running and, and, and explaining to them how things work. And I'm like, am I supposed to be explaining to them how things work? Or are they supposed to be explaining to me how things work like i want to make sure that we're doing this properly but it seems like i'm explaining to them mm, that's really uh, interesting yeah i so. i'm i'm just baffled by how the evaluation of what businesses can and can't open mm-hmm. i just there's no it doesn't seem like there's a rhyme or rhythm to it uh i mean for example like obviously barbershops and salons have been closed for ever this year uh but they also have the best like sanitizing (laughs) solutions and everything you know they and uh but then places like disney world or disneyland are open you know it's like how does that it's crazy so yeah i don't know i boycott disneyland as a parent and which is i know i know that in some circles but i did send like my daughters with some friends so they got their experience i know it's just (laughs) it's weird because i feel like i'm gonna be in that same boat sooner than later and I have to like just submit and surrender. Like, I'll tell you though you know, I, gonna happen. I didn't go to Disneyland till my older one was five and I felt like I missed the boat. So if you do <laughs> want to still like kind of be against it just go before they're two and a half or three with them if we're allowed to be social. Exactly. Because at least you'll get the wonder in the eyes because like I took my five year old she's like that's fake. I know exactly. I like, Dang it! Well, you know the kids today—they're so much more enlightened. I mean, they have so much more information right. on the internet and on the phones. And Awareness, yeah. Awareness, yeah. So they probably are like, "Oh, I've already done Disneyland a thousand times on this like virtual app." Yes, or oh, I know. <laughs> you know, so screen uh, time is a whole different parenting whole conversation. Different dynamic. I know exactly. Did you introduce your your kids to like the iPhone? At what age, I should say? Well, I would say that the first time I allowed my first daughter to watch a cartoon, it was called The Small Potatoes, which okay. I recommend. <laughs> they do cover songs. They're like, it's an animated British cartoon that's like three to five minutes, and they do cover songs of like different genres. So they have like hair rock, <laughs> then they have like R&B, and then they have like, and like these potatoes, like, they're like, I'm a russet potato. Like it's like all about this, but it's all British, and like yeah. they use British kids' accents, or like they're not accents to them. But anyway, so that was like, okay, you can watch this around one, you know. With my second daughter, I was just like, well, your sister's watching on, you guys are cuddling, and that's just gonna happen now. Right, exactly. But like I, I didn't even have a TV for 15 years, and then I had a daughter who wanted to watch cartoons, so people started to. I had a DVD player. And someone gave me a monitor to watch DVDs on. So we watched, uh, like, The Land Before Time and Nemo. Like, oh my that was God. it. That's amazing. But now there's, like, you know, Apple TV. I know. And this is just the difference between having an 8-year-old and having a 3-year-old. Exactly. It's exactly. really, really interesting how yeah. the drastic shifts are there. And that's just going to get crazier and crazier. I'm yes. telling you, man. I mean, what's going on now is they're going to have access to every and anything. And yeah, I don't know how I'm going to, I mean, he's already, my son is already like obsessed with me utilizing the iPhone. So I'm like overly conscious now when I have it in front of him Mm. and, or the remote, he even can correlate between the remote and the TV. And I'm like, here's some grass, some trees, learn nature first, and then we can talk. Well, it's all about 
you, right? It's all about what you and your partner decide to set up. And so this is our family iPhone. (laughs) I am showing my husband's phone to air right now. I have had it for the last week or three weeks, but I haven't had a phone since the first week of July because I decided I'm going phoneless. That is amazing. And I'm going to get a flip phone or I'm going to have a house phone and we can have one iPhone that's for the family. At first, my eight-year-old was like, what? You're not going to have an iPhone? And I was like, we have a family iPhone. We don't need more than one. It's like a $1,000 device. The screens are breaking all the time. Like, right. let's just take it slow. And and this is going to help us distribute our tasks better and respond to people better. Mm-hmm. And just we'll be less on the phone if there's only one of them. You know, like we're just sharing tasks and get, using it as for phone. Now, if I need to do computing, I'm going to go into the office area where obviously I'm on a computer and you're not going to bother mom in her office space. Right, exactly. But this is something that I'm wanting to, like, people are like, so are you going to get that your phone back or what are you going to do? So I'm looking into getting a flip phone. That's what's up. I've been doing the same exact thing, by the way. And I it's interesting, else, too, yeah. because, you know, back in the day prior to the iPhone, there was only one phone, maybe two in the house, right. you know, like you would just, you know, have a voicemail machine or an answer machine and that was it. No one thought about it. And now it's like, you know, a cigarette. It's basically everyone has to have yeah. <laughs> it's a It's a brain extension. It's not a phone at all. It's an addiction device. It is it's a social device. media. It's like I'm addicted to knowledge, so I need to know everything that's available to exactly. me. Exactly. I'm addicted to getting the positive feedback on the social platforms. Uh, I'm addicted to creating. I'm addicted to like as for me, it's like I use it as a creative outlet. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna go like edit this little film caption for yes. a few minutes, but now I'm like sucked in it for three hours, but I'm just using my phone. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's not a phone. We can't call it a phone it's anymore. Not, it's not a phone. It's not a phone. And it's just so bizarre. The level of addiction is insane. In fact, I watched that documentary. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix that just came out called The Social Dilemma. Mm-mm. The Social Dilemma. The trailer for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. It's so remarkable because it's like the original teams from like Facebook and Google and Instagram and YouTube and Pinterest and they tell the truth of how these algorithms work specifically and to generate advertisements to impact the addictive part of your brain and the power of that and it's how just, they all live in nature away from phones that's now. That's what's so funny is those are the <laughs> folks that don't even have phones or don't like to deal with the yeah. phone culture. And they, they've created it. And so it just wow. it just makes you realize, like, you know, this is really about getting you to consume more and more and more, you know. And so you become addictive and you don't you don't really know your social identity any longer. And then you just become a program. And. Fuck that. Yes. I am not <laughs> yeah. down. I am not down. And that's why I'm like, I'm trying to move my businesses away from using social platforms for marketing. Yes. I know that's crazy talk, right? You I just know. said that yeah, yeah, yeah. to get people yeah. addicted to your stuff, you put it on social media. Right. But I'm trying to drive or trying to connect with real human beings that are also looking to get away from the phone or try to do like anti-phone campaigns on Instagram. hundred <laughs> percent. Which is just a hilarious thing. But so true. Like, I mean, and plus when I, I see you, like Jocelyn, I don't want to know everything about you already. I'm like, where's yeah. the spontaneity uh, of yeah. like just having moment to moment experiences with people in person? Like yeah. there's something beautiful about that. 
and also like privacy doesn't suck i mean like yeah. it's okay Safety. to keep your yeah it's like that's your human right mm-hmm. and you know i don't want to have it all you know i'm 100 percent transparent but everyone's not like that everyone you know has their own privacy kind of things that they want to you know hold on to and i also feel like there's just something visceral that happens when you're in person with someone compared to when you're you know doing stuff virtually or on social media because you can pretend and you're all caught up in what everyone else is doing and it's like how many lives do you want to follow yeah i mean come on like Well, and that's what I think a big issue is, is that people are taking on more in their brain than they're set up to handle. Oh, yeah. Why is there so much anxiety and depression? You've just took on 5,000 people's complaints, (laughs) ideas, (laughs) worst fears, most excited part of their day, a fake part of their life they're making up that you know they did a fake thing just to do a thing. Like, there's, like, so many levels of you're taking on instead of we're already trying to quiet our own mind 100%. and you just integrated 5,000 more minds into it. You wonder why you had an anxiety attack <laughs> exactly. on the full moon or whatever, you know, like there's just, it's so there's no one else out there that's going to be pioneering the anti-consumerism mm-hmm. besides documentarists <laughs> and the holistic industry. hundred percent. Who else is looking to dismantle those systems? Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. And I tell everyone, it's not about like, you don't have to be hard and cold and not be on social media. You just have to have balance. You have to have awareness of the addictive quality of those things Mm -hmm. and to use them sparingly and to protect yourself because otherwise, you know, they will eat you alive. They're designed. That's what that movie was about. It's designed to consume you. To do that. To consume you, you know. So, yeah. I'm glad we agree. We're, oh, we're almost to the arm wrestling part of our episode today. <laughs> Socially distant arm wrestling is hard. It's but so hard. We're going to wrap in cellophane, make it happen. Air does look a little stronger than me, but this is when I get... I am totally not as strong as this woman right here. I can tell you that much, for sure. Thank you. This is what my friend said earlier, but she beat me. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm loving everything that you're saying, and I do want to know everything about you, actually. Is, even though you say you don't want to know everything right away, I'm like, okay, where do I look up air right books. now? I need to know what is going on. I need to go study heart disease now. Yes. <laughs> So if you could teach any class that you wanted to, what's the name of the class and what is it about? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I would say nature studies is the name of the class because um, I fundamentally feel that the majority of our problems have to do with our disconnection from nature and from who we are as humans. And we've just lost touch. Um, And I think that's where we discover who we really are, not only as individuals, but as community members. And, you know, my favorite book of all time is Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And I've read that book, I think, three times. And every time I read it, I'm like, this guy has got it dialed in. So that would be a required text. Okay, we have a textbook for the class. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, um, yeah, I I think everyone needs to learn how to spend more time outside and to really rediscover who they are through the trees through the ocean 
um, through mountains and through each other that way and learn and how to the see. desert even though it's a desert there's and water the, somewhere I in there. love the desert there's a <laughs> uh, mystery about it and a majestic quality and I just I love the open space in, in the desert so yeah but we need to get back into nature and I feel like mother nature is calling us right now um, and I think climate change is a very interesting dynamic in that interplay between humans and the environment so that's what I would teach I love that. You know, I was like, I gotta move to the forest. I'm like, dang it, the forest is burnt. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna move there, Oregon, but I can't because right. you're on fire. <laughs> now where do I go? I don't know. But yeah, totally. Something else that I want to touch on that you were talking about is this experience of virtual, this visceral experience of being in person versus mm. virtual. Yes. And our massage students. They're in a seven-month massage program, and they spent the first four months all online, and they're just meeting each other for the first time in person now oh at the medical-grade massage clinic. Unreal. And so they're just like, some of them are reporting back to me like, whoa, I just had like this such a crazy different experience from meeting this person in person and receiving work from them, you know? And like, yes. just watching how their minds are being blown is just really... Uh, laying it out there for me mm -hmm. to show how big of a difference it is because most of these people in virtual classes don't end up meeting right right now there's not like a physical time where oh I haven't seen you or I haven't met you in person but now I am mm -hmm. but now that it's it's culminating in that way watching their kind of mind-blowing mm -hmm. experience is like well that's why massage therapy and hands-on touch and body work and and Therapies that don't have to do with your brain or your intellect, but mm -hmm. have to do with your physical being. Yes. How that it changes you on levels that you cannot intellectually understand. Right. And it's not actually set up for you to understand them. It's set up for you to feel them. That's the whole, Jocelyn, that is the whole name of the game. It's all about feelings and sensations. Uh, that is really what the human experience is all about. We're really sensations in space is what I like to call it. And okay, that's class number two, sensations and <laughs> <in> space. <laughs> um, the problem is, is the mind is such a crazy thing because it, it just kind of constantly is filled with all these crazy thoughts and then you start to believe that this is who you are and you can get caught up in whatever and that just starts to repeat and repeat and repeat and you get lost and you forget to be in touch with your your feelings. I mean, that's essentially what uh, mindfulness med meditation is all about. Vipassana is like really feeling all of it as a whole. The, your body, your body sensations, your mental sensations, all of it as a whole thing. Because when you think about it, there's only really six things happening. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's like sight, smell, <laughs> you know, taste, you know, hearing what's happening in the body and what's happening in the mind. It's like a, a Joseph Goldstein is an incredible godfather of mindfulness says it's like a, a six-string orchestra that you just <laughs> that's just going on at the same you do, all you have to do is like observe sit back observe and enjoy the music so um i'm saying that because when you have your students and they're like meeting in person that orchestra plays incredibly well it all of the sensations are activated in the present moment and just like a jazz artist there's so much spontaneity that just happens that just connects you it's like wow I love the way that feels and and you really get to see the whole when you're working through a virtual experience which you know to some degree we have to do 
it reduces those sensational experiences because you can hide certain things and like what kind of pants you're wearing exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know or if you uh, you may not be wearing pants but i think what's um important is to to get that whole experience um dancing you know with each other and there's something in the creative world that just um, opens up um, wh whether whatever you're doing in whatever industry um, when you have that visceral experience so we have to figure out a way how to do that I mean human beings are our social animals I mean we we need to connect with each other um, physically and mentally and emotionally on so many levels and that requires us to be in person you know and I think that owning our senses I think that's what people are giving away their power with their senses. And that's yes. when people start to go into anxiety and depression. That's when people start to commit suicide or try to. Absolutely. Is when they, are, they feel like they don't own their senses. They feel like their senses are victim to something going on in the world. Yes. And they can reclaim their power, reclaim their senses, and create a new orchestra. But people yes. don't think that that's possible because they're just, they're not tied in with the, the sense consciousness absolutely absolutely you're 100 percent correct i mean all of these practices from yoga to meditation to breath work whatever you're doing are all designed to help you to get back in touch mm -hmm. with your sensational being and the better you're and not to respond to them to kind of let them be because it's just you're constantly changing that's mm -hmm. what you are i mean we know there's birth there's aging there's sickness and death and it just happens and just like there's the seasons that happen in the you know spring and then the summer and then the fall and the winter and it's just this is what it is you know but we we want to hold on to how we want it to be we want to control all of the narrative we think that we have the power to do all of these things as opposed to you know what maybe you just sit back and enjoy the earth spinning uh, insanely fast <laughs> in surrender. space, surrender to it all. You have nothing to do with the sun or the way the stars are aligned or the spatialness of the world. You have nothing to do with it. It's beautiful if you look at it directly. But the problem is, is you get caught, caught up in the movie in your head. <laughs> you thinking know? of it. And the how making. <clears throat> You make a movie in your head, and then you try and prove that movie right all the time. Exactly. That's the F up that exactly. goes on. People are trying to prove a movie <laughs> yeah. that they liked one time. <laughs> but the person th th that wants a new movie right now is like, I'm still trying to play that old movie, and it's not working now, but you've changed. Exactly. You need a new script. You need a new yeah. script. A hundred percent. It is. It's Really, it's just one big fucking movie. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> That's why I'm trying to make my own movies over here, okay? <laughs> That's why we created Jane Free, my alter ego, because I was like, I'm done with this Jocelyn game. I'm ready to be Jane Free. I'm done. I'm ready for this new movie. That exactly. It, it requires me to be detached from what I thought things were supposed to be. Exactly. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong, and it's actually obviously encouraged, um, in terms of imagining things and creating things. That, But you have to be present with that. It's like, I can create things out of space out of my mental thought process or my fantasies or you know observing what's going on in in the world or you know talking about social justice matter you can take all of that and create 
as an expression of who you are. Um, but that's art. You know, that's the beauty of it. You know, you don't have to live in that fantasy. You make know? the art, you produce the art, and you move on. Exactly. That's, to me, what the essence of a great artist is all about. So what's your next movie? <laughs> or do you have one on the books? I, you know, I'm dedicating everything to Compound. And so we're actually going to be um, having film screenings um, every first Friday, um, which I'm really excited about. And uh, so stay tuned to our calendar on what's yes. going on there. That's going to be amazing. And, um, and then, yeah, there's so many. We're going to have classes and all kinds of art programming and wellness programming. And so I think Compound is going to be where it's at because, again, it's like everything I've done in my career. You're directing a live movie at Compound. That is really what's happening. <laughs> what's going on? I'm going to be in the movie, you guys. I'm going to be, hopefully, sharing Sound Bath with the Sound On Collective over there. Yes, hopefully, and yes. we look forward to doing that. And we're also, the Sound On Collective is my documentary that I'm working on. So the Sound On Collective is its own collective, but that's what I am making my sound bath documentary following the Sound On Collective because we're doing these public neighborhood clearings, neighborhood yes. sound baths, walking through the neighborhoods with sound and then setting up at a park. And we're going to try and hit up every Long Beach park so oh. that we can do this in every neighborhood of Long Beach. Incredible. And people are just like, finally, someone's clearing out the neighborhood <laughs> over here. They're all happy. It's in the morning. And it's just like... Seeing people respond, they're just like kind of cleaning their yard or something. They're like, thank you. You know? <laughs> How did you come up with that idea? Because I, no one's, I mean, as far as I know, has done a documentary on, on sound baths. I mean, and it's so brilliant. This is, well, obviously, I've been wanting to make a movie for a long, long time. I guess about 20 years I've been wanting to make a movie. But um, I've been collaborating with Chrissy Cox from Under the Sun and Rainbow mm -hmm. Juices, and we were meeting every week for about six months trying to figure out what we were going to do together. We didn't know what it was. We just knew there were flowers involved, mm. and we knew that there was community involved. Yes. And we just kind of let it flow. We built it. We were going to be going to Bali for a re retreat. Like, we set up a bunch of different things that fell through because of COVID. Mm. And then in May, she was like, I just have this vision of, like, like commerce stopping and there being like a sound bowl in the middle of the street and we're kind of like walking through like Hadi Krishna's kind of vibe because we'll have our flowers and I was just like Chrissy shut up that's the movie you know I was like how could you do this you know like we've been talking we're having a six-month conversation that right. ends in this and I had just interviewed um I think his name's Robert Beamer and he just directed and produced the mindfulness movement that's co-produced with oh, Jewel with, and with Deepak, Deepak Chopra. Yeah, exactly, and so yeah. I had interviewed him like maybe the day before. And I was oh, like, wow. duh! <laughs> it was like this culmination of all those things. And I had also yeah. interviewed Jamie Cotto from the Becoming Nobody. Oh, that! let me just tell you, I've seen that film nine times now. Yes! And I'm obsessed with it because, you know, Ram Das is like one of my Ultimate. iconic heroes. Yes. And it was so well done because not only does it talk about i mean this just the footage of the things that he said and i think it, my favorite thing in the in the film is it opens up and he talks about like he's been doing all these things meditation for so many years and met with you know gurus and all of that and then he had an old friend uh two years later that that uh you know he met and he was talking to him about all these experiences and the old friend says to ram das like you haven't changed a bit in all these years. It's like, you know, this whole idea, like I've done all these things and it's like, 
you know, you're you're the same old dick that that you know. <laughs> yeah, <you've> right. always... <laughs> <laughs> it's great, you know. I love that film though. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And Jamie's super sweet and awesome, also. He and was he's so great like... in that movie. I mean, the intimacy between those two, and obviously we what we lost Ram Dass this year or was it last year? It was in uh, December. Year. December, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how that came out and the timeliness of it. And yeah. yeah. Jamie holds that same space in our interview. We found out that both of our dads had committed suicide. Wow. And so I was like, I don't know. It was we. It was just kind of like this. Whoa! Of course right. we're on this path. Right. You have to experience a cataclysmic event to devote your whole life. Yes. To this path. Right. 100%. And if you know what it is or don't know what it is, doesn't matter. But there's usually some kind of event that is like, this is where I have to be going down this road. Isn't that weird how it works? It's the universe that unfolds. It's like, no, no matter what you do, you can keep trying to do all these other things. It will dictate this is what you're supposed to be doing. It's incredible. You just have to stay in harmony with it, you know? Mm Harmony. (laughs) That's why we practice our mantra and do our thing. So that's kind of how the... This idea of this documentary came through after mm. kind of talking to mentors, not and those were just interviews that were kind of handed to me on accident. So, so now you're here, and I would love your help with my sound documentary. I would be happy to help you in any which way. No, I think it's so cool. It's so unique, and um, and I, you know, I think sound baths are just starting to kind of really like come to a popular level yes. where people are starting to really connect to, to the healing power of sound baths. I mean, they've Sound baths have been around for years, and but um, the nervous system, yeah, ex- harmony exactly. that goes on, harmony. But um, when you think about a, a piece of music, which is in many respects, you know, it's just a series of notes and sounds and that kind of thing, it it, it di- I mean, it directly affects your your well being. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable how that happens, and no one can tell you how that happened. And sound baths are the same way. It's like, how does this sound resonate with my vibrational system? We actually teach you that at Panacea Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're teaching people over here. I love it. Yes. Yeah, so go to Panacea and figure out. The... <laughs> but I, <laughs> I think it's so powerful. Just the, the you know the power of sound in in general. So I, I yeah. I and the voice is our first instrument, and people yeah. yes. owning their voice. hundred percent creates less anxiety and depression when you own your voice yeah. and the power of your voice. Absolutely. And we're experiencing that now. I was just gonna. <laughs> Social justice. With social justice, it's incredible. I mean, for me, you know, as a black man, it's it's the most incredible thing that I've witnessed this year, all things considering, because when you think about the civil rights movement, um, it was just, you know, a collective group of people that were behind it. It was powerful. Pre-internet group. Pre-internet group, very well organized by Martin Luther King and Malcolm X on the you know human rights side and all, but but nowadays it's a global phenomenon and that's what we've been witnessing since the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Rayshard Brooks and Jacob Blake. I mean, it's been amazing to witness all of this, this um, solidarity um, and, and the power of the voice and to be able to speak up. And you can no longer separate social justice from anything. And that's the difference mm. this year is you it, before it was in its own little bucket, its own little corner, protesters, radical enthusiasts. No, it's all about like social justice is part of 
the experience that that we're living and i never thought in a million years that i would see on an nba court black lives matter mm -hmm. i just never thought that growing up you know as a black man i never would have imagined so um, there's been progress and it's you know unfortunately at the um, helms of lives lost mm -hmm. but but change requires a lot of suffering and darkness to move through um and so yeah it's pretty powerful to see well the this. suffering and darkness has been happening but now it's about shedding the light on all of it a hundred percent so we can actually witness it and stop hiding all of the destruction mm -hmm. and darkness and start to really say this is the reality of what is going on stop pretending like it's not going on absolutely i couldn't agree with you more and it's interesting because if you're a mindfulness person or you know a practitioner that is the first step it's like are you seeing clearly what's happening, mm -hmm. you know? And then you move closer into it and you have empathy because you're like, oh, wow, like I'm, I, I feel what, you know, is going on here. And then that converts into compassion where you can take action to make change. And that's what should be happening now through this election cycle. People have to show up and vote not only nationally, but locally to shape change. You have the power of your voice, put it in the ballot box. I mean, that's the only way to shape it, you know? You said it. <laughs> Air Copeland, Compound LB, it's happening. It it's, is happening. It's opening whether or not anybody wants to say so. We'll talk to the health department. <laughs> <laughs> this place is opening. We want it to open. We need more community centers. I mean, Sacred Roots has kind of been like a lone hub for a while, and we love when there's more community centers opening up that hold the same principles, the same teachings, and allowing like more cultural infiltration, more movie time. It's all yeah. about the movie we decided <laughs> today. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's been a lovely conversation. Truly, truly and I look forward pleasure. to hanging out more. So. You guys are the best. No, it's truly an honor. Where can Thank we find you? you? Um, that's a good question. At Compound. <laughs> okay, so what's your Instagram at Compound, Compound LB? LB, I think it is, yeah. 